welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. You can also find me on my other podcast, Straight Up Paleo. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join the Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. Hey guys, I'm so excited for this episode because I have one of my besties on. She's a real hoot. She's one of the smartest humans I know. But before I get into this, let me remind you about something that you need in your life. It's called Somnifix. Somnifix is honestly the biggest game changer when it comes to sleep. Not only sleep, but just overall health. And it's such an easy life hack. All you have to do is get some Somnifix and put tape on your mouth. Yeah, that's what I said. So Somnifix is mouth tape that is specially designed to go on your mouth. It's hypoallergenic. It also has this little breathable vent in front. So you won't suffocate. If you need to part your lips a bit and breathe through it, you can do it. You'll be fine. But why Why would you want to tape your mouth shut? Well, the truth is that we should really be breathing through our noses. We are supposed to be breathing through our noses, eating through our mouths. But unfortunately, a lot of people have gotten into the habit of breathing through their mouths. And this is not only inefficient, but it can lead to a wide variety of health problems. Whereas breathing through your nose can help you get deeper sleep, quieter sleep through the night because our mouths are closed. We're in that rest and digest parasympathetic state. When our mouths are wide open, this can actually lead to cortisol spikes. It can lead to waking up in the middle of the night and just not rested sleep. You might not get your REM sleep in, but breathing through your nose also helps you have a better regulated heart rate more efficient carbon dioxide to oxygen exchange. It boosts nitric oxide production, which helps with immunity. It can reduce headaches, can reduce nasal congestion and sore throats, gives you better focus and stamina and strength. It can help with athletic performance. It can improve your digestion. It can actually help with weight loss and it can improve your memory. All of those things, all from just breathing through your nose instead of your mouth. So if you want all of those things, you should probably try out the Somnifix mouth tape. But also, if you snore, you should probably try this out because it can be a game changer or if you drool. And when I first tried this, I thought it was crazy, really weird. I was nervous about it. And then I thought I would just give it a shot because my friend Mike Mutzel over at High Intensity Health is extremely smart and I just will do anything he suggests because he's so smart and knows everything and he was just really talking about this mouth tape a lot so I thought I should just try it and it changed the game for me mouth taping is sweeping the nation and everyone I get to try this you know everyone's skeptical at first and they try it and they say oh my god this changed my life and I'm like yeah that's why you got to try it out so 
go to somnifix.com. You can get it on Amazon too. You can get it on Prime. Use the discount code CRWSLEEP for 15% off of your first box. Again, that discount code is CRWSLEEP. That will get you 15% off. You can learn all about Somnifix and all the benefits of mouth taping by going to their website. Or I have a blog post, which I think is pretty good. And I know a lot of people will send friends or family there to explain things. And I also know that Nicholas, the founder of Somnifix, has told me that he sends people to that blog post too because he says it's the best one he's found explaining mouth taping. So, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I highly recommend you check out my blog post. Go to ChristinaRiceWellness.com and just search for mouth tape or Somnifix or just Google it, my name plus mouth taping. You'll find it. So there are a ton of health benefits to this. We are meant to breathe through our noses. It can help you a lot. If you struggle with waking up in the middle of the night, this could be a reason why. If you are sleeping with your mouth open, then maybe try sleeping with your mouth closed. And don't worry that you've got that little breathable vent while you're training yourself. It might come off the first few nights. You might find it takes a while to adjust for your body to adapt to having tape on your mouth, but I honestly can't sleep without it anymore. So highly recommend you check it out. Go to somnifix.com. That's just a nice little health hack. Sleep is so important. Also, you know, when you're when you have poor sleep, this also affects your stress levels. And honestly, having your stress levels managed and in check is the key to health. Literally, everything goes back to stress management. Everything. And this is something that today's guest is very passionate about and we talk about in this episode. And I talk to her about this on the reg anyways. But today I have my friend Brianna Diorio on the podcast. She's a super nerd, just like me, but she's actually truly the smartest person I know. She is a clinical nutritionist, a holistic lifestyle coach. She's a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. She's also a certified personal trainer. She is a functional medicine educator. I first found her because she did some <laughs> video on paleo hacks. She she does videos for them and like I don't know what it is about she just cracks me up. I'm like this girl, she knows so much, so much. She drops so much knowledge and it's honestly overwhelming how much knowledge she just spews out sometimes, but I really appreciate it, and she's like the only one who will indulge all of my really nerdy, geeky questions, and (laughs) sorry, I just love her so much, and we very quickly became really good friends, and I feel like I've known her my whole life, so I mean, if you want to learn information, you should really start paying attention to her. And she has a website, briannadiorio.com, where she has all her different services and she links to her blog. And yeah, you should definitely send her some love. If you enjoy this episode, make sure you tell her. But I had so much fun recording with her and just we cover literally everything that you could ever possibly cover about health and lifestyle. She has a lot of experience working with people and is obviously very well-read and very well-studied. 
She's always studying. I don't know how she fits so much information into her brain, but she does. She is also the magical human who has helped me piece together what's going on with my health and all of these things that I brought up to so many different experts and specialists and FMDs and nutritionists and everyone just kind of shrugged aside. Brianna was like, whoa, no, this matters. It all fits. And I was like, yes, thank you. More on all that much later, besides the point. My point is she's been extremely helpful and she is so intelligent and I adore her. Anyways, loved this convo. She is so much fun, always keeps it real. That's why I really, really connect with her is because we both are very straightforward and blunt and honest and don't have time for bullshit and also swear. Swearing is actually a sign of intelligence, just so you know, it's... People who have higher IQs has been correlated with swearing more often. So whenever people get upset about me swearing, I'm just like, I don't know what to tell you. Keeping it real. Anyways, don't worry. This episode isn't full of swearing. It's full of a lot of valuable information that everyone will benefit from. So I am very excited for you to listen to this. Here we go. You know. Yeah. No, I agree. And I also need you to be smart. Like, I I can't keep being a smart person in the relationship. It's like, I'll kill you. What are your requirements for how healthy he is? Um, I mean, they probably shouldn't be eating, like, McDonald's, but they don't need to be, like, a spaz like me. I don't think I'd want to date are someone you, like me. Do you me. think you're a spaz? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a recovering super spaz for sure. So I would say that I'm spastic. This is why, I like, um, I always say that um, mountain goats are, like, my spirit animal because... They're pretty spastic, but they're also pretty chill at the same time. So it's kind of like my style. <laughs> Pop out at the right but how time. how does that relate to food? Oh, like am I a spaz with my food? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I would say, yeah, for the most part, I mean, I try and eat like whole real clean foods and this mm-hmm. and that. Um, but I'm also not like when I was in Italy, like I wasn't going to be like, oh my God, I can't eat anything. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm at a family party and someone made like, you know, homemade lasagna, I'm not going to say no. You know, I think that there's... You need to have balance in your life. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that that's really important because I've also come from a place where I didn't have any balance at all. And I realized that that's not healthy either when I was competing and all that, where I was bringing all of my own meals to Christmas dinner. Like that was ridiculous. And I missed out on, you know, fun memory. I mean, culturally, food is like how people... You know, that's what people do. You'd be like, oh, come, we'll go check out this restaurant. Like, you know, relationships are bonded over meals and all this kind of stuff. So I feel like that's important. I think that's an interesting topic because there are like, there's this whole camp of people that say we've become too attached to food. It's a part of everything. It's yeah. part of culture. And so it's a negative. When you stop like a- attaching so much to food, it's just food. Yeah. And then there's this other camp where it's like, no, we need to relax because food is a part of culture. Yeah. You know, like where it's the middle ground there i don't know i think it's really interesting to talk about especially because in like you know and like i said when i lived in i lived in spain undergrad and then even just being in europe again like we we make food i think like the center of it in a negative way where it's like oh my god what is this like making is this pro-inflammatory is it not and like i think that that actually makes the food itself be problematic before you're even eating it where there it's just like a part of 
the everyday, like, you know, but even the way that we perceive food differently. Like, I remember when I lived with the family in Spain, like, I literally went home from school and, like, we had lunch for, like, two hours and it was, like, chill. And there's, like, there's no concept of, like, I'll have this to go. Like, I know. You sat and you ate and then you also had time to rest and digest because siesta was a real thing and mm-hmm. shit wasn't open. Like, you went and just, like, chilled and you ate and that was it. And you were, like, having conversations. And I, John Dular talks a lot about this, like, your percept, like, how you eat is just as important as what you eat so like that's super important like being in a relaxed state actually chewing your food like having you know being in a happy mindset not doing stressful things and like watching the news or being on social media like all that is I think really important too so I think that that culturally is like you know different it should be like happy not like oh my god is this food gonna give me IBS later because like if you're thinking about it, yeah, you're probably going to have some negative placebo effect of that, too. Yeah. Like, if you think everything's a problem for you. No, I know. And that's why it's clients will be like, I don't understand because I had this and it had garlic in it. Usually that messes me up, but I felt totally fine. I'm like, yeah, because you were enjoying it with your friends. You weren't thinking about yeah. it. You didn't know there was garlic in it. Yeah. And then you come out and you're, to- you're feeling totally fine. Yeah. You know? That's what I mean. I think I totally agree with that. I think people think going into it, so they they identify with certain things. Mm-hmm. And now because everything's a craze, it's if it's or people think just because it is like vegan or gluten-free or paleo that they can eat all of it and it's like no that's also not always the case just because it's paleo doesn't mean that it's healthy or healthy for you and it's probably actually not really paleo it's not what cavemen were eating like i always joke like the one paleo bread that i eat i'm like cavemen weren't eating paleo bread they weren't eating paleo protein like that's not what they were doing everything at all i know people just think it's labeled it's healthy and that's the biggest lie ever i'm like no you have to still be label literate and like understand well that's why it sucks like, it's cool that there's all these paleo products, but I also hate it. Okay, I like it because it's, I guess, getting people to use products with better ingredients. Yeah. But I just still, I mean, I'm so much eat whole foods, cook for yourself, keep it simple. Yeah, just and it's get just, back to the basics. Yeah, making everybody, it's like, do you have to have a salad dressing? Yeah. Like, why can't you use olive oil and vinegar? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think that's a double-edged sword with that's that. That's why I like Mark Sison, at least, is real about it. He's like, it's primal. It's not paleo. Yeah. Like, at least, I feel like that's a little bit more realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, everything's not paleo pancakes. I'm like, they're fucking pancakes still. Like, just call it what it is. Like, let's be real, people. <laughs> I know. Well, people don't understand. People, and the people will say this to me. They're like, well, I've been, I'm still having issues. I don't understand why, because I'm paleo. I'm keto. I'm like, well, what are you actually eating? Like, yeah. that doesn't mean jack shit to me are you eating paleo pancakes for breakfast and then a paleo burrito for lunch and then like paleo pizza for dinner and then a paleo bar for a snack i oh my god i used to have this one client it was so funny when we were talking about getting him to go gluten-free it was this super high up executive guy in new york city and so we were like getting him he worked in sales too so he had to take clients out a lot and so we were transitioning over to gluten-free and i'm like so how have you been feeling like what's been going on blah 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 and he's like great i went from switching drinking beer to drinking martinis because it's gluten-free and i was like no, no, that's not what we want to do. Oh um, and then, you know, I would also have a lot of female clients who'd be like, I don't understand. I'm not losing weight. And so we would go over what they were eating. And it was like gluten-free English muffin, gluten-free pasta, mm-hmm. gluten-free brownies. And I'm like, just because it's gluten-free doesn't mean. And I see this actually a lot with vegans and vegetarians. Yeah. Because I'm like, do you even know how much processed like sugars you're eating yeah. still and soy and all these other things that are just like not great for you like just because it's vegan or just because you got, got it at a health food store does not mean it's healthy for you you yeah. know so something i actually used to love doing with clients is i would do grocery sh- grocery shopping tours like mm-hmm. i would love it because 
I would be like, no, we've already had one or two sessions. Now let's go over it like, and see as if I wasn't here, like how you would grocery shop now. Yeah. Read the labels to me and see what is not Brianna approved and what is and like how, why this is good, why this is not good. And like people just like they don't, you know, they don't get it or they just don't even know where to find certain health foods because there's so much of this like marketing puffery, I call it, where it's just like, yeah, you got to dig through that shit and peel back a couple layers and just get back to like the basics yeah. and i have this question all the time people will be like well can i eat rice and can i eat potatoes and then they'll i'll say well what's the alternative and they'll show like show me a protein bar or something uh-huh. and i'm like what are the ingredients in rice yeah rice, rice. <laughs> okay what is the ingredients in potatoes potato okay <laughs> what's the ingredients in your paleo cereal or yeah. your paleo granola oh let's read it let's go through all of that i know okay. all 50 things yeah i don't know what they are if you were really stuck in the woods with like a gun and a fire could you make this paleo yeah. crunch right now no. no so maybe we should like you know chill out on that and like cut back a little bit yeah well and that i think it also relates back to how we were talking about how everyone <laughs> wants to hop to supplements mm-hmm. and testing and i'm like what's your diet and they're like no my diet's good because it's paleo it's it's keto it's vegan i'm like <laughs> yeah. No, because people think that they have this perfect diet. Everybody thinks that their diet is on point. And oh, I'm like, see, no, I actually always, one of the first questions I always ask my clients, I it's a twofold question. I say, if you had to give yourself a letter grade oh, for really? your health right now, uh-huh. this is like, because you know, I feel like starting sessions sometimes can be like tough for people, yeah. you know? So I always ask them, if I had a magic health wand, what would I be able to help you with? Mm-hmm. And so like, I, you know, their top three complaints or whatever. And then I say, if you had to give yourself a letter grade right now, A to F, what would you give yourself for your health and for your nutrition? Mm-hmm. And so then I ask them, like, they'll say, like, it's a B. Because people sometimes, like, they just don't, they, they have to be real with themselves. Like, mm-hmm. and they'll be like, a B. And I'll be like, okay, so a B is not amazing. It's not an A, but it's mm-hmm. not an F. So what do you think? And so it's interesting to even hear how they interpret what their version of a B is. And then they'll try and catch themselves because they'll start saying something and they'll be like, well, I know that that's not so great. And like, so that, you know, and and I always tell people, I'm like, listen, you don't get extra credit points by lying to me about what you're doing. Yeah. Like with your health, like let's be real. And so I think it's sometimes people just cutting through their own bullshit of saying it out loud. And I'm like, oh, so you're really not a B. So you're more like at a C, you know? And so when they actually say it out loud. You're actually at an F. Yeah. I'm like, Sorry. so you're actually, you need a lot of extra credit <laughs> and um, you're failing. See, so many people who come to me, not everybody, but a lot of people come to me, they're like, I... They're like, I've tried everything. I've done everything. My diet is great. I have no idea why I'm still having these health issues. And I'm just like, I look at your food journal. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is where, like, we have to start here. They're like, what supplements can I take? What testing do yeah. I need to do? I haven't found the right test. I'm like, slow your freaking roll. Yeah, we gotta like, take, like, 30 steps Yeah, back. we gotta take, th- and people, it also comes back to what we were talking about with, like, lifestyle. How, because it's the most overlooked thing because it's the hardest but oh because people people think it's too obvious mm-hmm. so then they think it doesn't matter like it oh, has yeah. to be more complicated i have to find some magic supplement re- regimen some magic macronutrient ratio totally. and like uh, the it's the lifestyle stuff that's at the root of so much of it i say this all the time i say probably 90 percent of my clients what's impeding their success is themselves Mm -hmm. they it's the mental emotional side the stress component and the basics like going to sleep and you know just like moving a little bit more like and calming down 
chewing your food. Like, and that's what I say this. I'm like, if there was one magic solution, I wouldn't have a job. Yeah. It wouldn't be a $30 billion industry. Like yeah. it wouldn't, you know, all these things wouldn't exist. It's very basic stuff. People don't want to do that. They want a supplement protocol and they want to diet. That's really easy. And I say to people all the time, I'm like, you could follow this to a T yeah. and got a hundred on that. But if you are not going to bed mm-hmm. and if you're not like having positive, you know, thoughts and mm-hmm. reducing inflammation, all these things, none of that's going to work. Yeah. So like it's the, it is the, and I actually learned that through the, the Paul check Institute, because I went in there being like, no nutrition is the best. Like mm-hmm. that's all you have to care about is nutrition because that was my baby. And I also came from the personal training world. So I saw, you know, the, the training side of things too. And like, I got that, but I was like, no, it's all about nutrition. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh no, it's actually all about all these other things. Like sleep, your support circle, having energy vampires in your life, pro inflammatory people, like all the shit that people just like need to realistically assess and be like, yeah, this is why it's not working. Health haters, I call them, you know, the people who are just like hating, give you shit because you actually care about getting your life together. And like, you got to cut those people out and like put a hard stop on that, you know, and that's like people have a hard time doing that. Well, I think that that's also a reason why a lot of people don't get as good a results as they want with naturopaths and FMDs. They think, you know, I'm going I'm going to see a naturopath. I'm like, but they're so busy. They're not working with you like this versus having someone who's more like a coach, like Holding like someone like hand. us. Yeah, yeah, like accountability and like working through this lifestyle stuff because like they're on a, such a higher level and dealing with more yeah. shit. And like you need someone who's going to go back to basics and work with you through this basic stuff. Yeah. And like they don't do that. You yeah. know what I mean? So... I think that's why a lot of people, they don't understand, you yeah. know, like I can be on some fancy FMD protocol and if I'm not addressing the other things, then yeah. it's not. And I mean, we're also talking about like, this is why I've gotten so interested in like the energy work and how we're talking about how people don't want to go back totally. and go through like their past. You need to. And what's been holding you back. You know? It will come up at some point in your life. And I think that that's a huge, like I said, especially for auto, it makes sense when you think about autoimmunity, how it's more prevalent in women, and also how we actually, our sex chromosomes has have different immune expressions. So like women, because we have higher amounts of estrogen, are more prone to having things like cancer, mm-hmm. whereas opposed to like men who have more testosterone. So like your immune system actually is you know, it expresses differently based on your gender as well. And I think the way that men and women express emotions differently is also a huge factor in why, you know, and you hear this with women like, oh, well, my husband did this one thing and everything was different. And I, you know, have been changing 30 things and nothing is different. And Mm -hmm. it's like, because we also energetically and emotionally take a lot more on our plate. But at the same time, we don't take time for ourselves because this is why we're ultimately the stronger gender though, because we can handle all of these things where men can't and they can't multitask and Mm -hmm. it's a very rare thing. But I mean like diseases literally progress differently. Our hormones are different and interact different and people, that's also why health doesn't, it's not a one size fits all thing. Yeah. It will never be that, you know? Well, yeah. And I also think, talk more about like how autoimmune disease is more prevalent in women. Yeah. Because I think that people don't really, I think a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Um, and also don't understand why. Yeah. But I think it's a complicated... So why do you think that is? I, I think all of the lifestyle factors mm-hmm. for women in general, I think just being more holding on to stress and trauma, taking on everybody else's energies and, you know, women feeling like they, we've glorified busy and we've Mm -hmm. glorified, you know, this go, go, go. I have to be this, you know, boss babe mentality, but that's not, that's not doing anybody any good if you're not actually taking time for yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you can't pour from an empty cup. And most women are pouring from an empty cup where I see men have an easier time 
drawing boundaries, you know, and they're not seen as a bitch for doing that. You know, yeah. they're seen as a, an executive or, you know, they're a pistol. And it's like, I think women just have a lot more stress and we know that stress affects everything in the body negatively. And for women, particularly when it comes to our gut, like our, you know, our gut microbiome, we have a separate set of enzymes in like the gut that literally, you know, inactivates estrogens and reactivates them like the glucuronidase enzyme, Mm -hmm. like, you know, so I think we see a shift in that as well. And then having a lot more environmental estrogens from the makeup that we wear and the beauty products and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff as well. Cause you know, women like we need to look a certain way and all that. So I think it's just, we have a lot more in our toxic bucket than men do. Yeah. It's also interesting thinking like how we're talking about how we prefer to work with people who have experience we've experienced or like female um practitioners and how when you think of most fmds it's like they're men yeah you know i don't know i wonder if that's a a gap i think so for sure (laughs) like if more people were working with females if more women are working with female practitioners if they'd be getting better results yeah it's well especially for things like hormone health i see like a lot of the times like birth control like Mm -hmm. this is something that's you know like forced on women a lot too yeah which is a bummer like i don't you know need a male doctor telling me Mm -hmm. how my hormones are going to be affected by taking fake hormones Mm -hmm. you know like you don't understand the repercussions Mm -hmm. of that you know like there's studies that talk about how you know taking birth control can actually change the the pheromones that your body produces so they say that you shouldn't be dating a certain person when you're on birth control because they find that people they'll go off the pill they get married then they go off the pill when they want to have a baby and then they're attracted to their husband anymore yeah Yeah. isn't that scary it's crazy yeah I think that the birth control topic I want you to talk about what birth control does to the body a lot of really bad things yeah we could talk about that yeah get into it okay go so like i mean it's first of all it just your gut is pretty much wrecked from it because we know that your gut produces things like vitamin b and k Mm -hmm. and the purpose of that is also to you know alter your ph in the system as well um but when we're on birth control this number one is like one of our biggest robbers of B vitamins, which is crazy because B vitamins are the building blocks of all of our neurotransmitters, especially B6 contributes to over like 100, 150 different enzyme and biochemical processes in the body alone. And that's like one of the first things to get dumped from the body. Um, It's fake hormones. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like musical chairs, you know, like, or if you're, it's like trying to get reservations at your favorite restaurant. I always say it's like a first come first serve basis. So if you have fake hormones circulating in your body, those fake hormones are going to go to the receptors first and your real hormones are kind of like, well, I don't really know what, where I can go now. And so, you know, there just becomes this general, you know, lack of understanding between your hormones as well and, and what they can do. I mean, as far as, you know, your liver, which is your pretty much your one of your most important organs in the body like you know contributes to over 500 different processes in the body Mm -hmm. and you know circulates your blood like you know a couple hundred times a day like it does a lot and so birth control we know also you know alters our liver enzymes depletes nutrients there in all three phases of our you know our liver health as well Um, and then even just like turning up things like sex hormone binding globulin which is not great because then our hormones are actually bound up and then they can't be free and get into the cells and the receptors that they need to as well. A lot of research that talks about birth control altering your pH as well, which is not great because then pathogens can overgrow. So we see things with, you know, more UTIs and, um, you know, like just bacteria overgrowth in general. So Mm -hmm. I think it just does not a whole lot, especially if you're taking birth control for the wrong reasons. Like if you're taking it because you have skin issues or your hormones are imbalanced, you have crazy PMS, 
we kind of need to take a step back and be like, well, why are all those things happening? PCOS, we see this a lot of the times too. Yeah. Like you're not deficient in fake hormones. We are having insulin resistance probably, or we're having blood sugar issues going on, or we don't have enough of the building blocks like to balance our progesterone and luteinizing hormones and FSH and all these other hormones that play a role in why we get our period or why we don't get our period. So Mm -hmm. I think it's not doing any service to women for what you might think, you know, as far as, like I said, managing whatever symptoms you might feel that you have. What do you, what do you recommend for birth control? So definitely fertility awareness method. Um, So tracking your period. I think this is really important for women too, because we have our four different cycles, like, right, we have like our, you know, our menstrual cycle, our follicular phase, our ovulatory phase, and the luteal phase. And in during each of those phases, we have different amounts of estrogen and progesterone, mm-hmm. um, as well as luteinizing hormone and FSH and, you know, some of our other hormones. So that's why we feel different at different times of the month, why we have different energies, why our skin looks different. And so if you can optimize knowing where you are in your cycle, mm-hmm. that can also optimize things like creativity and projects that you choose to engage in and your energy levels, what kind of working out you want to do and even you know, certain foods you should be eating to balance those things out and supporting your liver more or balancing your prostaglandin levels and like your inflammation in general. So I think it's important. I think a lot of women don't even understand the four different cycles of how that works. No, they don't even know that there are four cycles. (laughs) So yeah, which is like a bummer because they don't teach that. Your gynecologist doesn't talk to you about that. I think it's really empowering to understand more about what your body works. And to me, it's like every time I bought, like when the body feels differently, it can help to understand why so it's like oh i'm in this phase so maybe that's why i'm feeling x y or z or maybe i'm want more of this food or that food or i don't want to work out this way you know what i mean like i think it's kind of empowering people don't know about it but god everybody there's this resistance because they think that that's not effective yeah they're like I mean, but the thing is, is you could still use condoms, right? Mm -hmm. Like condoms is definitely effective um, for females. I mean, the diaphragm is something that females can use as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Good old pull and pray, actually, if you are smart enough. I believe the pull and pray is about like 96% effective. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's definitely, you know, options. But um, I think people just need to you know, realistically have a conversation with their gynecologist also about what are the effects of being on birth control. um, But their gynecologist is going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> like the gynecologists are trying to sell people birth control and that's the issue. It's like I'll talk to clients and then they go talk to the gynecologist and they say, Well, they told me that it's gonna protect me against breast cancer and they told me that there's no long term effects there's no negative long term effects and can actually help me with X, Y, and Z and I'm just Yeah. Like, oh man. I would say though with any practitioner that you're working with, if you present some re- like some real research, like mm-hmm. you've done some research on your own as well and you went in there and your practitioner's not at least open to having a conversation with you about it Mm -hmm. um, or saying you know what like I'll I'll let me do some research too and like take a step back that might not be the right practitioner for you if you care that much about your health and I think um, people they take whatever their practitioner says like to heart all the time Mm -hmm. and sometimes you have to also just be your own advocate of your own health journey uh, because you know your body best and like you know you know how you feel and don't feel and like it's not normal to feel like you want to murder someone for you know seven days out of the month like whether you're on birth control or not like that's a sign that you have some issues going on with likely your liver your gut or your hormones in general like you shouldn't be feeling that and so this is something too you know I work with a lot of women who I asked them, I'm like, what was your period like before you were on the pill? Some people have been on the pill for so long they don't remember. But generally, whatever was happening before the pill, like your body at some point should get 
back to that. So Mm -hmm. if you were somebody who used to be very irritable all the time before you got on the pill, there's a really good chance you're going to be super irritable again as well. So like, let's find out, do you have, you know, like too much testosterone? Do you not have enough progesterone, like relative to your estrogen levels as Mm -hmm. well? Uh, Because a lot of people talk about that too, like estrogen dominance. Estrogen dominance doesn't always mean estrogen dominance. It means estrogen dominance relative to not having enough progesterone in your body. And progesterone is like this amazing hormone that's really great for making us calm and like anti-anxiety, helping increase GABA and like acetylcholine and all this really good stuff for the body. So you could just not have enough progesterone going on in the Mm -hmm. body. And so like we need enough cholesterol for that. We need enough cortisol for that. We need our adrenals to be healthy for that because 50% of our estrogen is made in our adrenals and 50% is made in the ovaries. So if your pituitary glands not having that conversation with your ovaries in general, like there's probably some underlying HPA access too. So like it needs to be this like bigger picture conversation of like, why are we going on birth control in the first place or what's going on with our hormones in the first place? And people just like aren't having that conversation. Yeah. Well, okay. What's your opinion on bioidenticals? So I think there's definitely a time and a place for bioidentical hormones. If you're working with a qualified practitioner, I think that there's definitely ways to go about it. Um, I, I don't like starting with hormones first. So if you are seeing someone and their first thought is, well, we'll just put you on bioidentical hormones. I would personally be wary of that. I would want to see what else is going on first. Um, I would say more in older women, maybe like, you know, if I had like a 27 year old come to me and they were like, I want to be on bioidentical hormones. I would want to dig a lot deeper first and try a lot of other therapies first. So I Mm -hmm. think, um, there's definitely a time and a place for it. I just don't generally think it's something to start with right away. If you haven't really dug deep and have assessed some other lifestyle pieces, diet pieces, stress pieces, um, all these other things that are going on. And then maybe we say, okay, yeah, like maybe we could talk about bioidentical hormones. Yeah. I think in, in this, in this space, I'm in a lot of younger women are realizing like, I don't want to be on the pill anymore. They're becoming more savvy to that. And then they're going off and their FMDs are just like, okay, bioidentical hormones. First thing. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, like, yeah. wait a little bit, you And know? the thing, too, with that, like, is people don't want to give time time. Mm-hmm. So if you're working with, let's say, like, Chinese herbal medi- medicines and things like that, you know, adaptogen herbs, like, this kind of stuff takes time for your body to adapt to. Like, mm-hmm. usually, I mean, my acupuncturist always tells me, like, anywhere from three to six months for your body to adapt to one new herb. Like, mm-hmm. so for something like Vitex, like, that's a really great herb for hormone health and balance it and, like, you know, increasing yeah. your progesterone levels. But that's also an herb that you shouldn't be taking for a very long time. And you should actually be taking it during, like, your luteal phase. And so, like, it also depends on how smart you're being with, certain supplements and herbs you're taking as well. So I think Mm -hmm. people need to also like look deeper into that of what deficiencies they actually really have going on in the body and what other nutrients that it might be a micronutrient deficiency going on. Like they might not have enough, you know, zinc or B vitamins or vitamin D and omegas. Like these are things that we see most people having issues with even, you know, iron, iron deficiency is the most common nutritional disorder worldwide. Like that's, Mm -hmm. you know, so people, I think need to like be realistic about that too and be like, well, what else is really missing from your body before we talk about just, you know, putting a bandaid on, like, just take this hormone because that's not always the answer. Yeah. So basically if someone's coming off the pill, you would suggest checking for those deficiencies. What else do you usually like 
What's the plan of attack usually? I think everybody should have a baseline of some basic blood work. Mm -hmm. Like regardless whether you're starting with a new practitioner, you're getting off the pill, whatever, you want to know, um, you know, what's going on with your vitamin D levels uh, for sure. Um, zinc, we see this a lot being low in people who have been on the pill. Um, you got to see what's going on with your free hormones and your bound hormones as well doing a full thyroid panel. So making sure, and a lot of people talk about this now. So getting your, you know, T4, T3, free T4, free T3, reverse T3. Um, also getting your antibodies tested. Like this is all important, but mm. also just general inflammation markers going on too. So like your hemoglobin A1C, your C-reactive protein, fasting insulin, like these are all really important. Um, as well as methylmalonic acid, which is the true marker for B12 deficiency. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like I said, just your regular, you also want to see what's trending. So like, is your white blood cell count like super low? Um, what's going on with, you know, just some of your other just liver enzymes and kidney enzymes too, because a lot of the times your liver enzymes might be like a little jacked up from being on the pill if you haven't been supporting any over-the-counter medication, really. Like if you haven't been supporting all three phases of liver detoxification, then there's a good chance your liver enzymes are like overworking or underworking. So I think like a basic blood panel is also really good too. You'd be surprised even asking for your vitamin D levels. I have to have every client ask to have their doctor run a vitamin D panel. Like it should be standard. And well, not. yeah, but I mean, half of what you just said, like someone's not going to get off a blood panel unless they specifically ask yeah. for all of that. Yeah. Even the thyroid stuff, it's like you have to fight a doctor to like get all your thyroid literally numbers. i give all my clients like this pdf essentially that i send them i'm like this is the what paper you need to go and bring mm -hmm. to your doctor with you um and say these are the labs that i want run even homocysteine like this is a really important marker of your your methyl b vitamins as well as inflammation and cardiovascular health um especially also if you're like a woman who's had a history of miscarriages mm -hmm. really important to see what's going on with like your methylation pathways mm -hmm. because if we are having like issues with methyl b9 and methyl b12 like there's you know some research that talks about this unmetabolized folic acid kind of blocking receptors in the cells and so we know that you know folate super important for you know neural tube development and red blood cell health as well so even getting into the nitty-gritty of, of that i think is important if you're trying to get your fertility like back on health yeah i think people don't i feel like everyone likes to talk they like they go i have the methylation defect yeah. and it's like but there's also other methyl there's also other genetic defects like COM to like COMT. Yeah. Like that's also a very important one for females particularly. Um, I think it's also really important to understand what's going on with your liver pathways and how your body's actually breaking down estrogens. Mm -hmm. Like we have a bunch of different estrogens in the body, but you know, when we are detoxifying estrogens, like our three main estrogens, it can either go down like the 2-OH pathway, the 4-OH pathway, or the 16-OH pathway. Mm -hmm. And the 4-OH and the 16-OH pathway are said to be the more damaging estrogens and the more pro-inflammatory ones, the ones that can get recycled back in the body and reactivate things like, you know, beta-glucuronidase and these things that can kind of jack up our enzymes where our 2-OH pathways are a little bit friendlier for estrogens. Those are the ones that are said to be more beneficial because estrogen is actually a really important hormone. It's very important for mood support and for brain health. 
Um, you know, for libido, this is why we see women who are going into menopause and having things like brain fog and like vaginal dryness and mood swings all at the same time. Like I would be moody too, you know, like that would bum me out as well. So I think it's important to even understand how your liver is breaking down your hormones because that's one of the main jobs of your liver too is to kind of tag back in hormones or be like you got to take the bench for a little bit Mm -hmm. so i think that's important for people too what can people do to support their liver oh my god so much oh my god i love the liver um well first things first is i mean we got to like see what's going on with your your toxic load in general so i think starting with some basics like what's going on with your healthcare at home Mm -hmm. so like what products are you using on your skin and you know like your shampoo your cleaning products um drinking unfiltered tap water i mean this is a huge one as well the contaminants that they're finding in you know our tap water as well so Um, scary yeah like just regular environmental estrogens like reheating your food in plastics Mm -hmm. like you know a lot of this kind of stuff um but also wait question do you use a microwave i don't i really don't um i mean sometimes like if i if i eat oatmeal like i eat raw oatmeal a lot but the only thing that i really make in the um microwave will be like oatmeal from time to time but Mm. i don't reheat food i've never been a reheater of food in general you like the cold leftovers are you a leftover person i'm i'm not actually um i've I mean, I guess I am because I do meal prep. So Uh on some level I do, but I've never, and I think it's from my meathead days back in the day where I was just like, well, it's meal number six. So I'm going to eat my cold meal again. I'm not going to reheat ground turkey because that's really gross. So yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the microwave, but it's also, you have to meet people where they are. So if somebody is using a microwave, but they're eating McDonald's six times a day, I'm not going to be like, we got to eliminate your microwave. We're going to realistically start with what we can eliminate. So also things like that, like when people talk about like, oh, it's so healthy to get it, you know, eat expensive. Again, if you're somebody who is not eating anything at all, or let's say like you're eating, you know, really crappy food, Mm -hmm. uh, like fast food a lot, you're drinking a lot of alcohol, diet, like sodas, whatever it is. And then you say like, well, should I buy everything organic? Like, no, maybe let's just start and get back to the basics of focusing on removing some of the more pro-inflammatory foods that we know Mm -hmm. and kind of eating whole real foods and getting back to the basics, drinking, you know, quality water. And then we can talk about like layering that in. So it's like liver health 2.0. I, this excuse of eating healthy is too expensive. I'm, I'm very over it. Well, there's been studies that show it's literally actually only, I think it was Harvard research. I'm not sure if it was. I don't remember the exact study, but they did this and they tried to see what the exact price was. And it ended up being, it was either $1.25 or $1.50 more per day to eat quote unquote healthy. So people don't realize like a bag of chips is really expensive. Yeah, Soda is expensive. Convenience foods are expensive. Yeah, they're just as expensive. So instead of buying, you're trying to tell me that a bag of potato chips is more expensive than buying non-organic potatoes. Yeah. Not happening, you know? Yeah. And it's also, I think it also relates. I'm like, yeah, if you're trying to buy paleo products of everything, it's going to be expensive. That's silly. But if you're just sticking to whole foods, it's not as expensive. There are ways to, I don't, there get things on sale, buy things in bulk. Totally. Like, I just think and but frozen veggies. I'm like they're so cheap. Use frozen vegetables and frozen fruit. Like yeah. it's so. I I just don't. And also the long. What, what are you saving long term? I'm like mm-hmm. okay, maybe you're you're saving a dollar a day. Yeah. Um. Okay. What's gonna happen to you in ten years when you spend 
$10,000 on your medical bills. Yeah. Or buy one. You'd be surprised. And I'm guilty of this. I'm an impulse buyer. Like, yeah. I'm always at checkout line. I'm like, oh my God, I need this like mm-hmm. turmeric powder. Do I need this turmeric powder? No, but I'm here. So be su- you'd be surprised at how much you just spend on frivolous stuff yeah. like that in general. So it's like spend five less dollars a day on dumb things that you don't realistically need or you know your amazon like impulse purchases like you would be surprised how much money you spend on things that are not investing in your health you know yeah well we're talking about too it's like are you paying five dollars for your starbucks every morning yeah like really right you know there's no or did you like every time i go to the mall i know i'm gonna drop two hundred dollars yeah like, like, I'm just every going time I walk to. Into Target or yeah. yeah. Or, like, when people are going out. Honestly, that's part of the reason why I don't like going out to eat because I'm like, I know this meal is going to be like $50 because yeah. we're just going to get everything. All these weird things. Yeah. You know, all when people things. go out for drinks, I'm like, how much money did you just spend on drinks? Yeah. You know? So it's like all that stuff adds up. Oh, yeah. Like, you could have one less. I don't know. I, I tell just, this to people too, actually, all the time as well. Like, for drinking, for example, mm-hmm. too. Like, I'm not a big drinker. I really mm-hmm. don't drink a lot. I mean, if I do, like, I'll have, you know, like, I love a good margarita and things like that. But um, when people complain about things like money, like, I'm like, you can still go out and have a good time yeah. and live a healthy life and you don't have to be drunk and you don't have to <laughs> drink. Know. Like, or if you're really concerned, like, you can drink at home then and yeah. then go out. Like, I mean, there's even ways to save money with things like that if you're still in that phase of your health journey. Like, yeah. that's okay too but i mean like just be realistic like don't you know like lie to yourself and say it's so expensive like it's a matter of priorities with anything it's what do you choose what's your return on investment is what i would ask like a a pair of shoes for a couple hundred dollars Mm -hmm. like why or i I know for me like i don't care about that kind of stuff i would rather go and you know buy some grass-fed meat i'd rather go to airline i'd rather buy supplements like you know i'd rather go to my acupuncturist or you know treat myself to a massage or Mm -hmm. something like that like where i know it's gonna make me feel better or buy a book and you know so that's like the whole concept of even like treat yourself and like i read a book um it's called body beliefs by jason siebes i believe his name is yeah i had him on the podcast yeah Yeah. i love his stuff and his he talks a lot about this idea of that book is also i don't know if it still is but when he was on the podcast it was free it was a free yeah it's a free book yeah um i tell all my clients about that book because he talks about this idea of like you know if you cleaned your whole apartment and you spent hours cleaning your apartment and then you said i'm gonna treat myself by pouring dirt everywhere oh yeah. ridiculous but we do this people do this all the time when people ask me like can i have cheat meals and i'm like yeah. no like yeah. why would you do that you know you spent this whole time cleaning quote cleaning up your body that's different than saying like okay when i go back to the east coast to go visit my family like we're gonna have whatever meatball like homemade mm-hmm. meatballs or pizza or whatever like i'm not gonna feel bad about that because that's like a memory and something mm-hmm. as opposed to like getting you know binging on i don't know like store-bought fake ice cream halo yeah. top like yeah. just have some of the real thing like oh i don't God. understand you ate a whole carton of fake ice cream like yeah. that's not great for you or your hormones or your sugar or your pancreas or <laughs> anything your gut health like yeah. you know there's a lot of issues right there as well so i think it kind of goes back to this whole like why are you feeling that you need to treat yourself with you know things that aren't going to reinvest in your health it's like then. this FOMO thing even with the halo top now it's turning into like people these healthy foods because now there are these oh, yeah. bloggers who are telling people that these not healthy foods are healthy and then they're like eating these all the time and they feel like shit and I'm like well, yeah because yeah, you're eating crap yeah like there's still like 
you know, 40 grams of sugar in there. Yeah. You might as well. I say this with protein bars a lot, too. I'm like, it's a candy ba- a candy bar in drag, yeah. essentially. So, and even a lot of these health elixir drinks, I'm like, go ahead and kombucha, same thing. Yeah. Turn that around. There's 20 plus grams of sugar in that. You know what I mean? And there's no fiber or enzymes or other things really in there to kind of offset that. Like, I see this a lot with, like, the matcha green tea drink and whatever. I'm like, yeah, turn that around and actually read the macros and see yeah. what, and I see this even with, like, a lot of these, quote, paleo, you know, keto, collagen things, like, whatever, like, the the binders that they're adding in there or fillers or artificial sweeteners, like, none of that's really great for your health and none of that is technically keto, paleo, or what our cavemen were actually doing and yeah. sitting around a fire and you know, eating paleo pancakes. Like, that's not what they did. I know. Also, it's, like, how we were talking about the bulletproof coffee and, like, everybody wants a bulletproof coffee. And I just don't – I mean, I say this all the time. Like, if you want to eat grass-fed butter, cook your vegetables in it. Yeah. You actually get more carotenoids by cooking with a fat. That's how carotenoids are absorbed in your body. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand what the benefit is that people feel they need to put – you know, MCTs in their coffee. Like, that doesn't... I don't understand. They're just only after... They think that it's going to put them in ketosis. Right. That's the one part. And then it's like, they think that ketosis is what they need. Everyone thinks that they need to be in ketosis right now. And I'm like, you don't need to be in ketosis. I think, like I said, until people really, realistically, I would guess that probably up to 60 to 70% of people who think they're in keto are not in keto. Yeah, they're not. Um, They're not testing their blood ketones. Like they're, you know, like I said, they're probably just doing a modified meathead bro Mm -hmm. diet where they're just pretty much saying, I'm not eating any carbs. I'm going to just eat a, you know, a bunch of protein, Mm -hmm. um, but also not focus on the quality of my protein. Mm -hmm. So that's not going to be great for us long-term either. You don't think that, what, you don't think a lot of protein long-term is good for us? No, I think that quality protein is important, but mm-hmm. I think that no diet is a religion that you should be doing 24-7 mm-hmm. for, you know, like eons at a time. I think the body is too dynamic. Our hormones are always changing. Our nutritional needs are changing on a daily basis. Like, so I think that there's seasons for any sort of macronutrient profile or whatever health buzz that you want to follow. Mm-hmm. I think you should try, I think you should try all of the diets mm-hmm. out, try all the things mm-hmm. and then really be realistic about what's going on. Uh, what other things have changed in your life too? Cause I think it's, there's a little bit of this effect too, where people say, Oh, I'm doing keto now. So my life is amazing. And it's like, okay, is it the keto that has made your life amazing? Or have you also maybe stopped hanging out with pro-inflammatory people because you're like in this weird, like, micro bubble of it's like the crossfit community right it's like i always mm-hmm. it's, i joke and say it's like we're like it's like a mini cult because you could go anywhere and i'd be like what's your fran time and people get super jacked up being like oh my god i did it in this and this was the weight i did it you know rx or scale yeah. like it's a it's a separate language and you know like verbiage so i think people like that so it's also what other factors change are you reading other books now that you're seeing this connection between going to sleep earlier and Maybe you're walking outside more. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're just removing a lot of other like crappy foods from the diet and, you know, things that have been problematic for you. So it's also, I think, hard to assess if that was like your savior or what other things are really going on in your life. Because this is, we see this too. Things will work for a little bit and they feel really great for a couple of weeks and then they reach a plateau again. And yeah. so then they just diet hop. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, what's really the problem? Like, what's the underlying cause of? why you're still having issues or whatever is going yeah. on. So. Well, okay. What do you think is the most common underlying cause that people aren't paying attention to? 
stress 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 because stress isn't it's stress is any influence internal or external that causes mm-hmm. your body to not be in a homeostatic state yeah but the thing is is we have you stress which is good stressors and we have bad stress which i think more people understand this this form of bad stress um but we have to have a balance of that and we don't want to totally eliminate stress that's on it either now people are like how everyone's afraid of germs and we've gone to this like antimicrobial soap you know worrisome hygiene yeah. hypothesis right um people are also doing this now with stress because people love to vilify things in the health world and oversimplify things so they're like i can't be stressed at all and yeah. it's like no we still actually need we need to train our immune system still and build up vital reserves it's really important but i don't think people understand uh, past stressors like traumatic like emotional stress that's happened in their life earlier that's progressing later in life um as well as you know all the forms of stress that are compounding on the body that ultimately cause your body responds to stress through the inflammatory process in the body and again people think inflammation is bad inflammation is not bad inflammation is your body's response non-specific response to stress that's placed on it and so we have pro-inflammatory cytokines and we have anti-inflammatory cytokines and we have hormones that turn certain processes on and off so it's also about managing the inflammation pathway in the body as well and i think people don't understand that balance necessarily and because so we compound these negative emotional stressors on top of being in a nutrient depleted world and having environmental you know mm-hmm. stressors going on not sleeping enough um pro-inflammatory people negative self-talk constantly comparing ourselves to people social media stress is a huge thing now that mm-hmm. people deal with on top of like i said eating a bad diet and all of that so i think over exercising under resting you know like all of that compounded our stress bucket is just like maxed out and so people are like well what supplement can i take and i'm like none (laughs) none at all give me the ashwagandha yeah i'm like no ashwagandha is going to help you at this point yeah so we got to take a lot of steps back those are all like the harder things it's like how okay which of all those different lifestyle factors that you listed what do you think is like number one yeah i think people need to sleep more sleep is the best most cost-effective way to get your health together. How much sleep are we talking? we need to ideally, our body does a lot of its physical repair from about like 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. and then Mm -hmm. from 2 a.m. to like 5, 6 a.m. is when it does a lot of its psychological repair. Um, There's something called like the Chinese medical clock or the Chinese body clock which actually talks about this how like different times of our different organ systems are more primed um Mm -hmm. like when our body will repair the small intestines and the liver and things like this so sleep is such an important time for our liver to process a lot of things but also for our glymphatic system which is a totally separate part of our brain so just like we have the lymphatic system in our body our brain has something called the glymphatic system where it literally gets rid of about three pounds of toxic waste a year that only happens during sleep. It's when our blood volume actually shrinks as well so that it can kind of like detox all these things. So Mm -hmm. it's important for your liver health and, you know, for your brain health, but also for breaking down, you know, hormones and neurotransmitters and replenishing your adrenals. And, you know, melatonin is such an amazing antioxidant in the body. It's so much more than a hormone. And so like our body peaks melatonin around 9, 10 p.m., which is so important. So it's more about getting to sleep earlier um, than trying to make up for this sleep, you know, bank that people think that they can pay back interest on later. And they just can't. They say, I'll sleep more on the weekend. That's just not how it works. You should listen to your body. I mean, if you're tired, you know, sleep, it needs the rest. But you need to be getting to bed ideally by like 10 p.m. The sleep is a big one. I... 
I feel like almost everyone I talk to, first of all, everyone is waking up three or four times in the middle of the night. Yeah. And that's a huge one for people. Yeah. What what tips do you have for that? So usually if people are waking up in the middle of the night, particularly between like 1 and 4 a.m. I see this a lot. Either there's liver toxicity going on because that is the route the prime, between 1 and 3 a.m. is when mm-hmm. your liver is most prime. Um, and also adrenal issues going mm-hmm. on because if the body is really stressed out, um, let, let's say there is an imbalance of melatonin to cortisol because they're antagonizing hormones. Um, we also see that when people are fighting off infections like pathogens, bacteria, whatever that's underlying in the body, or if they didn't eat enough during the day, all of this stuff wakes people up in the middle of the night because mm-hmm. when you're sleeping, it's actually a really metabolically active process. You can burn anywhere from 40 to 70 calories an hour, like while you're sleeping. So when your body's stressed out, it's like, oh my God, it's trying to wake you up and be like, we need more nutrients. We're trying to repair everything from all the damage you've done all day long. Mm-hmm. And we don't have enough of that. So I think optimizing sleep hygiene would be things like trying to sleep in a completely dark room. Um, making sure that it's cold, like around 68 degrees. I'm a big fan of blue blocking shades as well because people just don't power off. And again, anytime that our circadian rhythm is messed up because of not having this, we don't have enough contrast of dark light to bright light. Even exposing yourself to bright light in the middle of the day is really good for resetting your circadian rhythm. Um, And then you can always take a couple of like calming, you know, herbs before bed as well. Like, you know, like Tulsi is one of my favorite adaptogens. Valerian root is really nice, like California poppy. Um, you know, kava kava, those are all really good. Um, but people also think like melatonin that they can just take it like a sleeping pill and that's <sighs> how it works. And yeah. that's not the issue. It's that our body has dysregulated melatonin levels. Yeah. So if you've ever had like a Dutch test done and you actually see like what's going on, sometimes mel- people's melatonin levels will be really low in the morning because they've been exposed to blue light prior because they were just on their phone until like five seconds before they went to bed. And so that always offsets people's melatonin levels as well. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. And I find, I mean, for me, most calm, I literally, with the people I tend to work with, it's because they're not eating enough during the day. Oh, totally. Yeah, because like I said, their body wakes up and it's like, oh my God, I have all these processes I need to get done still. Mm -hmm. And it's literally your blood sugar is dropping at nighttime, right? Mm -hmm. So like people wake up and that's why people will eat something and then they'll go back to sleep. So I don't actually don't have an issue if somebody wants to eat, um, like eating carbohydrates actually by themselves before you go to bed is actually really important um, because tryptophan, right, gets converted into serotonin, well, Mm 5-HTP and then serotonin. Um, But tryptophan and serotonin actually compete for a lot of the same uptake receptors and so if there's protein present your body actually will not have that conversion happen as efficiently so sometimes just eating some carbohydrates before bed can help with that pathway as well Mm -hmm. um, or making sure that you actually ate a snack it could even be something like you know like fats before you went to bed or whatever just to balance your blood sugar levels so your body is not starving before you go to sleep because that's a stressor on the body as well Chris Masterjohn has such a good article about this. I always send it to like all my clients and basically optimizing sleep. And that's one of the things he said made a huge difference for him. Like he keeps his dinner like carbs and healthy fats and helps him sleep so much. Totally. Um, But that article has a ton of other really helpful hints too for anyone who wants to check it out. He's really smart. Yeah. Um, Speaking of carbohydrates, let's talk about carbohydrates. Okay. Because I think everyone's afraid of them. Well, again, because people want to vilify something. Uh, this is the current macro that I think people hate the most right now, carbohydrates it's for some change. reason. But people don't realize that carbohydrates are fruits and vegetables as yeah, well. Yeah, I know people so don't that. realize that vegetables are carbohydrates, yeah. which I'm just so like, okay. There's you know a good amount yeah. of carbohydrates in the veggies that you're eating yeah. um, and the fruits that you're eating. But so I think it kind of goes back to, again, like 
what I always joke with clients and I'm like, when you're looking at your plate, you should be able to identify where everything came from and name the ingredients. So if you have the option to eat, let's say a paleo bowl of, uh, you know, like paleo cereal, mm-hmm. or you can eat rice, like mm-hmm. what are the ingredients in rice? Yeah. Rice, where did it come from? It grew from the ground. Great. We have a bowl of paleo cereal in front of us. Like what are the ingredients? Rice syrup. Yeah. And you know, like, collagen powder and all these things that cavemen were not actually eating or consuming when they were out in the wild with a fire and Mm -hmm. you know gun so i don't think carbohydrates are all bad i think the quality of carbohydrates is important and you know certain people do females you need carbohydrates for our thyroid health it's really important to convert t4 into t3 and to actually help to shuttle nutrients into our cells so they're not bad after dark and they don't make you fat you know 40 grams of carbohydrates at at 8 a.m is 40 grams of carbohydrates at 8 p.m so it's the same thing they don't magically chemically change like that's not how it works um but you i mean there are caveats obviously if you have bacterial overgrowth or if you have histamine intolerances you know eating certain carbohydrates can make things way worse for you like so there's a time and a place with that even as well making sure that you optimize how your body's digesting and breaking down carbohydrates. What's your approach typically with someone who has a lot of gut issues and also hormonal issues? Um, Like, would you attack the the gut first versus the hormones? Usually we actually start with the liver um, and the gut Mm -hmm. because if we have issues with that, I mean, it kind of, you could really kind of start anywhere because if your hormones are a mess, your gut and liver are probably a mess. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a chicken and egg situation. But we want to figure out, like, why are your hormones a mess in the first place? For some women, it's just a a mere fact of, like, they're afraid of eating fat. So they just literally don't have the building blocks to make hormones, like cholesterol and, you know, vitamin B5 and, you know, like the things that they actually need to build hormones, like Mm -hmm. fatty acids. Um, But a lot of the times it is a liver issue going on where they're recirculating bad hormones back into their body. Mm -hmm. They're not, whatever comes in has to go out is what I always say. And so if they're not getting out the bad stuff, um, we have to see. So that's when we'll kind of see like, is it more liver issues that are presenting or more gut issues? So if they have a lot of skin problems going on, if they're really sensitive to smells and, um, you know, like chemical things like that, you know, like perfumes Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, if they've been exposed to mold in the past, all that kind of stuff, I say like, let's start with your liver probably because it's probably stemming from the liver being toxic as opposed to if they have more pressing gut issues, like they're always bloated or every time they eat a meal, they belch or they're having diarrhea and constipation back and forth. Then I say, okay, let's start with the gut first because we want them to feel a little bit better first. So I think it kind of depends what symptoms are presenting in each pattern more, more aggressively. Yeah. You got to make sure those elimination pathways are open before we do any detox but what people don't realize too is that the liver is not the only elimination pathway. Yeah. like we have a lot of other elimination organs our kidneys that's mm-hmm. something that people don't pay enough attention to is our kidney health our skin health right mm-hmm. like our colon like these are all other our lungs that's also a way that we get you know toxins out of our body as well our lymphatic system so supporting all of those pathways as well is going to be really important and the more pathways that we have open it's like you know if you have lanes on a a highway like if you close down just one lane that's going to add time to your commute so if we have six lanes open you're going to be able to get to your you know place of you know destination a lot quicker yeah supporting all of that we didn't finish the the liver discussion i'm realizing because we i got you off track also supporting your spaz I am a spaz. Yeah, I'm a so, recovering super spaz, um, but still a spaz. So, okay, wait. So we talked about 
looking at environmental toxins. Right. What else? So, I mean, there's definitely some nutrients that we can take to support the liver again because we have three different phases of our of our liver detoxification pathways. Mm-hmm. So, phase one is going to be a lot more of our B vitamins. Um, even vitamin C is going to be really important in, like, vitamin A, so a lot of these nutrients. Um, so, you know, dark leafy greens, uh, you know, like organic raw honey is really good. Folate that we can get from things like beets is really nice as well. Um, and then phase two is a lot more of our amino acids. So um, making sure that we're getting good quality protein is actually really important for our liver detoxification pathways. Um, and also even things like, you know, collagen can definitely help with that as well because mm-hmm. there's a lot of those building blocks. Um, oh my God. Have you heard about this vegan collagen shit? I recently <laughs> did. I don't know what they're making it from. Though. I have no idea. All I know is I'm just like, this is how I know things have gone too far. And I, I don't. just... Yeah. I just can't. I don't know where that's going to come out on the other end. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's also to me like when people, they, they make like, these vegan burgers. And I kind of feel like oh saying, listen, God. if you're going to be a vegan, then you... You can't eat a burger. You can't be eating a burger. Yeah, your, sorry. How are you comparing it? Yeah. I don't really know. Like, why do you want your vegan burger to bleed like meat? Isn't uh, that what yeah. you're like, against? I don't understand that. So, like, <laughs> if you're really hating on this lifestyle, then, like, maybe you shouldn't be having collagen yeah like, you know what I mean exactly so, I don't know but yeah that's just ridiculous but okay so collagen getting enough protein yeah support B vitamins are definitely super important uh-huh. vitamin c is going to be really important as well also because during that process of phase one to phase two we have conjugation going on which takes those you know uh fat soluble toxins and makes them into water soluble toxins so we can actually pee them out, sweat them out, poop them out, however we choose to get them out of our body. Um, So we want to also make sure that we're getting antioxidants because when that phase one to phase two is happening, we actually create a lot of ROSs, like those reactive oxygen species. So Mm -hmm. things like making sure we're getting enough glutathione and NAC in the diet is really good, um, as well as things like just good general calming, cooling herbs for the body. So things like ginger root is really amazing. Um, You know, people talk a lot about turmeric, which turmeric actually isn't always amazing because for some people it can actually recirculate um, or it can deactivate certain enzymes. So like it can make these toxins come back into your body in that phase one. So mm-hmm. you have to be careful with that. Um, peppermint, fennel, those are all really, really good and calming for the body. Coriander, um, anything that's really just like good for uh, astragalus, like that's a really nice herb as well for building back up like, you know, immunity and your red blood cells. So heart opener. Yes, that is one of my faves. Yes. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Um, so the issue that I see a lot, c- talking about food, because I try to make this tangible for people. It's like they hear all this stuff and they think they're doing everything. And it also relates back to women, how we're talking about how it's so common to like under eat things. And it's like, they're like, I get protein, I get fat, I get carbs. I'm like, no, but you don't. I'm looking at what you're eating and you're not getting enough of anything. Yeah. You know, because it goes back to how you're saying how every everybody's been afraid of every macronutrient. Like people have been are afraid of protein, people have been afraid of fat and they think they're on a high fat diet. Yeah. And I'm like, You're not even like yeah. and people are really afraid of carbs yeah. and it's going all over the place and it's like how does someone know if they're actually getting enough? I think I mean, and again, I'm not a huge proponent of macro counting in general because I think it's just another disordered form of eating for people. Mm -hmm. And for some people, if you have a bad relationship with food, if you think that you can just make 60 grams of carbs from crap fit into your diet, then you're probably still having underlying emotional issues with food that need to be addressed. 
um, or some self-worth things that are going on. So like digging deep into the psychology. So I think it's actually really important to just track, like go on mymacros.com or whatever, mm -hmm. MyFitnessPal, and actually track what you're eating for a few days. Because again, I don't think people even know what, you know, one teaspoon of uh, like, you know, almond butter actually looks like. So maybe you're they eating don't. 16 teaspoons of that, mm -hmm. but then you're only eating like, you know, a fourth of a cup. I see this with people who do whole 30 all the time and they come to me and their hormones are a wreck. And I'm like, cause you're not eating anything. Like, yeah. You're not eating any food. You have no carbohydrates, like, or recovering paleo people too, who haven't cycled their macros. So that's why I'm also a very big proponent of just cycling your macros and sort of just taking a break and like intuitively listening to your body sometimes and seeing how you feel. But I think just tracking your food for a couple of days, people, are surprised because they really don't even know what a macronutrient is yeah they don't they don't know what category it falls into and again they don't really know what four ounces of steak looks like mm -hmm. as opposed to eight ounces of steak and so i think that a lot of people just re don't realize that so i think even you could start with like a basic food journal mm -hmm. and kind of assessing that but then actually like tracking it because those aren't super accurate either obviously like yeah. there's, there's room for error but it will give you at least a general bar ballpark to be like oh wow i'm like way under eating this macro or i'm like way overshooting it with this so mm -hmm. i think that that's like important for people to realize but then it's like they don't even know if they're under eating or overshooting it because we have people in keto who are like 50 grams of protein a day and then you have so-and-so who's like 120 a day you know what i mean yeah. and it's like the carbs i don't know but also related to that i think that what people really need to do is stop looking at other people's meals on instagram yeah because <laughs> no, that's the issue sure. everyone's like but they're, they're using they're comparing to everyone else instead of themselves yeah like and your nutrient needs change on a daily basis yeah. as well. Like if you're super active that day, and let's say you had set, say you're paying a macro coach mm -hmm. and your macros are whatever, you know, 50 grams of fat, 150 grams of carbs and 120 grams of protein. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, you know, going for a 10 mile hike that day, you probably need more food. And then, yeah. if, you know, two days after, if you're sitting on the couch all day doing nothing, you probably need less food, right? Yeah. Like, so it's also just adjusting that too, where people, again, they think it's, if it was a mathematic equation, we wouldn't have the obesity rates that we do. And I we know. wouldn't have nutritionists and health coaches and whatever, because it would be one program that people just account you know, they put it in and they get this magic number. Digestion is so much more complex than that. Yeah. I mean, the enzyme processes that we produce, like how your body actually breaks down food, bile production, hydrochloric acid, like all of these other things, like the actual food having different effects on, you know, um, what hormones are released, like what signals are being sent, you know, from mm -hmm. the body as well. Like it's not that simple because if it was, then we would all have it figured out. And again, there wouldn't be this multi-billion dollar macro industry or whatever, know. What, you know, like it, that wouldn't exist. Yeah. That's why anyone who's telling you that this one macronutrient ratio is going to solve every yeah. issue for everyone is dumb. But also going back to like cycling the macros because what tends to happen is people will be like trying to get some ratio right yeah. and then what they tend to do is eat the same foods over and over again it's like yeah. keto everyone is eating like i don't know steak avocado eggs yeah um coffee like leafy greens and it's the same foods over and over again yeah and like a lot of coconut products which also relates back to i'm like do you really think all the cavemen everywhere were eating just like coconut and avocados all day because that no, doesn't make any sense i don't think that me. they were I, I know they weren't putting um you know coconut oil in their coffee because yeah. i know that they weren't drinking coffee so there's that um that's what i mean like i always joke like anytime i buy a quote paleo product mm -hmm. i'm like no cavemen were not eating this paleo protein bar like they really weren't like this is not what they were doing do you drink coffee 
I do. The mushroom coffee. <laughs> I feel like you should not be drinking coffee. I know. Coffee. I drink mushroom coffee, though. <laughs> I actually had a really bad problem in graduate school. I was, like, addicted hardcore when my mm-hmm. adrenals were, like, really on the fritz. So I was drinking probably, like, six cups a day. Um, but so... I actually, I drink more espresso, too. Like, yeah. if I have it, like, I'll make it. But I don't do it for the energy. I just, like, really like a good cup of coffee. Like, it I like tastes the way it delicious. Tastes. Yeah. I'm, like, the kind... If I have, like, a cup of coffee, I will not sleep for three days. I'm yeah. so sensitive to everything. I think because I'm Italian, I could literally have espresso before I... I think coffee is mental. And so, like, yeah. I, I feel the same way about, like, pre-workout and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure it maybe works on some level, but I think it's mental. I could go to sleep, like, five seconds after having... Um, you know, like a cup of coffee. Wait, can we talk about pre-workout for a second? Oh, yeah. What do you think about pre-workout subs? So I think most of them are garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, I encourage everybody to go and look at what's at the back of their pre-workout. There's for sure, I'd say at least one artificial sweetener mm-hmm. and probably something like, you know, red 40 and like blue five in there. Yeah. So there's that. And I always tell people, if you're so tired that you feel you need to take a, two scoops of pre-workout, you maybe yeah. You maybe shouldn't be going to the gym and pushing <laughs> yeah. through, especially if your cortisol is jacked up. Cortisol peaks at around forty minutes, like mm-hmm. of working out. So if you're trying to push through that much, um, you're probably going to be in a catabolic state anyway because cortisol is catabolic. So yeah. you know. Also relating back to the overtraining, everyone yeah. who's running for two hours in the morning. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, that's when I see someone have a smile on their face, like when they're mm-hmm. running, like I'll think about it. Yeah, um, I've never seen anyone. That's just not. It's not good. I mean, they always joke. They say the guy like who invented the marathon actually like, dropped dead of a heart attack. So yeah, it's like not a super. But I, I mean, I get it. Like it's a it's a lifestyle and yeah. it's a subculture. Some and people I love it. Yeah, I've never had endorphins from running. I'll yeah. never experience that. Um, so it's not happening for me. Mm-hmm. But again, I mean, if people want to be, ca- you know, cavemen and paleo, they weren't running for two hours. They were doing intervals and they were sprinting for a little bit and then resting for a while. And, exactly. you know, like that's even this whole concept of like napping and things like that, too. Like they, they talk about that. They say that we actually are like the only animals that really are like we do this thing where we're awake for really long times and then asleep for really long times. Like most animals will like you know, be awake for a little bit and mm-hmm. then they take a nap and mm-hmm. then, you know, they're biphasic and we're mm-hmm. not. And so I think that that's really interesting how we just, you know, and, but in a lot of European countries where they siesta, like, and they actually take time in the middle of the day to rest and digest and be in parasympathetic mode, which is when your stomach is actually strongest, right? Like, which is around that like one to 3 PM mark. So mm-hmm. like we should be eating our biggest meal then. Cause that's when our digestive juices are most prime, but also when we can be in parasympathetic mode. So I think we've just got a lot of issues going on with how we're living life. Yeah. Okay, but this is also a, like, CrossFit makes no sense to me in terms of, like, how... There are a few reasons why it's, like, CrossFit became so tight with the paleo community. I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me because... This is why, like, straight set strength training makes sense to me versus something like CrossFit. I'm like, yeah. do I think a caveman was, like, lifting boulders at high intensity for, like, yeah. 20 minutes straight? Like, no. no. You'd, like, lift something, move it, and then, yeah. like... Do you know what I mean? Oh, totally. It's, like... It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but also people whole. who are like, um, you know, real, and like I said, I mean, I have my CrossFit level one certification. Yeah. I used to, you know, own a CrossFit gym mm-hmm. back in Connecticut. Like I get it. I was really into that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, if you look at power lifters or Olympic lifters, there's a lot of Olympic lifting and CrossFit and stuff like that. They're not doing 30 clean and jerks for time. That's yeah. just wrecks your body. Uh-huh. And so that's also how you get injuries and, it's not really great. So I, I just think from a health fitness standpoint, that's also not um, how our bodies were meant to move. When form, when you get tired, naturally, your form's going to eventually kind of 
I think, be subpar. And so that's how we get already into more injury modes. And then, you know, we're already overtraining and, Mm -hmm. you know, your body's like, what's going on? I just want to rest. So not the best. Um, What do you think is like a, like a healthy exercise routine? What does that look like for most people? I think realistically, people probably don't need to work out more than three times a week, like three to... Because it's also, it's like about, it's not about how long, it's about how strong, like how good was your workout? I'm from New Jersey, so I'm from like the mecca of meatheads who mm-hmm. like, you live your life in the gym, I get it. Mm-hmm. But you'll see people in there who are in the gym for like two hours, walking around They're with their shoes nothing. off, just yeah. like mentally preparing themselves to do one rep on a bench. Yeah. Just because you went to the gym seven days a week for two hours doesn't mean your workout was yeah. actually good. I would say like, are you actually tracking your workout? Is your strength going up? Like, Mm -hmm. is your, are your reps really good quality? Do you have good form? Like, can you do a couple of pull-ups? Like, I don't know, some basic baseline things like that I think is good. And also I don't even like the term like exercising always. Like I just call it movement. Like Mm -hmm. what are you doing to move? Like motion is the lotion. You got to just like keep it moving. So you don't have to always be in the gym. Like, you know, you could be skiing or paddle boarding or hiking and you know, you can maybe lift. There's a lot of health benefits, obviously to lifting weights, but do I think that you need to prove everybody wrong that you're a girl who can like, you know, deadlift 9,000 pounds. Like you don't have to do that. You could just deadlift whatever weight and Mm -hmm. still get health benefits like that's okay too like you know you can scale it back a little bit yeah I move some general weight I think that's what makes it intimidating for people because it's turned into like lift heavy lift and that's like intimidating for people I'm like like lift what you can yeah like yeah you don't have to go in there and be like strongman competitor yeah. and whatever but there's that's also i think what we're doing too which is really sad in the fitness community is like it's a good and bad thing where women are now embracing their bodies and being mm-hmm. like i love my body and i'm strong and blah 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 but you don't have to like prove that so hard yeah like, you don't have to like rub it in someone's face that you can you like i said like back squat seven times your weight like you know if you can't that's also cool like mm-hmm. if you're just getting in the in the gym and moving your body around and doing some basic movements do whatever like makes you happy if you feel that you're on this workout program that's like giving you anxiety like oh my god if you have to ever say i have to go to the gym and do this workout mm-hmm. maybe you shouldn't be doing that workout like maybe that's not the right routine for you and the same way that we should cycle macros like cycle your workout routine go through a phase where you want to be a hardcore crossfitter for three months do that you want to go be like a pilates princess for six months do yeah. that you want to be a yogi like you want to do body weight stuff like do whatever yeah. that you feel you enjoy and uh-huh. you also don't have to like i said be in the gym for six hours you could get a really good at-home workout in like 20 minutes mm-hmm. and like be good to go yeah people don't understand that i also want to talk about you'd be a really good person like exercise nutrition because i feel like you would know a lot about this um all these i mean we kind of touched on the pre-workout people feel like they need a pre-workout and then all these ideas about what you have to eat afterwards the protein shake and like what do you suggest about with with like pre and post-workout nutrition yeah so there's a couple of different theories i mean there's a lot of people who talk about carbohydrate timing like Mm -hmm. pre and post-workout um because your insulin you know is a little bit more receptive to shuttling glucose into your cells so fueling your workout and you know like emptying your glycogen stores but i like i think we were talking about this earlier like most people who think that they need to do this like have these intracellular or intra-workout carbohydrate drinks when they're working out and these are the people that are carrying like the jugs of water that are like blue and orange and whatever um i'm like listen you're realistically probably 
not at the threshold that you need. Like, you're not Kobe <laughs> Bryant out there, like, crushing it in the gym and, like, doing, you know, these in super intense workouts where your glycogen is super depleted. I actually joke, I just recently got into, like, cycling, like, road cycling or whatever, and I'm thinking about, like, maybe doing a sprint triathlon. Dude, what the hell? You literally do every sport, and it, like, hurts my head to I think, think about. I think you do all the things, I'm, like, know? about to ask you, have you done this? I'm, like, yeah, she's done everything single sport. <laughs> no, but so I have this thing, like, I went into the store where I got my bike, and I was, like, almost, like, arguing with the guy because he was trying to sell me all these, like, goo packs. And I was like, why would I take a goo pack that's like 26 grams of carbs? I was like, I could just eat like a banana or I could have blackstrap molasses Mm -hmm. actually or raw honey, which has a lot of enzymes in there and has all of your amino acids. There's B vitamins, phosphorus, calcium, magnesium. Like, but no one's sponsored by Honey. But that's what I'm saying. So it's such a bummer because I'm like, I think it's this whole like obviously marketing scheme. Like mm-hmm. you don't need to have this like bonker thing in the middle. You're not Lance Armstrong probably mm-hmm. during your workout. Like you could probably just eat regular real food and like have some figs or dates. Like you could yeah. also do that. So when people think that they have this quote, you know, anabolic window or catabolic window two hours after they work out and they got to slam their protein shake. I saw someone literally eating chicken in the middle of their <laughs> Set the I've seen people do that too. And, and like, I was like, the bar right after, you know, and well, I talk about like, you know, when I first was trying to understand this and I'm getting all my information from bodybuilding.com and I'm like 19 yeah. and I, I like had to go make sure I had my bar and then I had my protein shake, my organ protein yeah. shake with my, what kind of bar? I was like my quest bar, you know, yeah. and I'm like pounding it down right after and I'm just. Right, you're going to miss all your gains. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to miss everything. Clothes. Like yeah. these muscles are like not having it. Uh, Lane Norton actually talks about mm-hmm. this where it's, there's a lot of research that talks about it's about your total, essentially your total protein net at the end of the day. So there's not a whole lot of variances. Yeah, maybe like a little bit with strength gaining. So I guess it depends kind of like what your purpose is in the gym. Like are you know you're trying to gain strength or you're just there for like GPP, like mm-hmm. general you know fitness or whatever. Um, but a lot of the research kind of just points out to that like the differences is very minimal between if you have this let's say chugging a protein shake two Mm -hmm. hours after you eat as opposed to what was your total protein intake at the end of the day your net protein intake you know so like that more so matters like and also protein shakes are full of protein where else do we get protein from whole real food so like you know you could eat real protein as well yeah an option i think also a lot of people don't even know what the hell their goals are in the gym it's like i'll see a woman she's like i really want to put on muscle i'm like well, you're not eating enough food. Yeah, you're not you, eating enough to like, do that. Yeah, so that's not going to work either. Like, what's your goal? Yeah. You know, like, well, I want to gain muscle and, like, I want to lose weight, so I want to eat less. Lo- and I'm like, you don't even know what you're... Yeah. You need to focus. Yeah, You definitely. need to focus in on that. You need to, like, get it together. Yeah. Yeah. What about also um, workout timing? Like, with your meals? No, like like exercise in the morning versus afternoon versus evening what are your thoughts so i think if you're someone who has adrenal issues Mm -hmm. and dysregulated cortisol disrupting your sleep which is your body's time to rest and repair to say i'm going to go do a gym workout right now and do fasted cardio is stupid Uh for sure you're just putting yourself in a hole that is going to take a really long time to climb out of so i would say opt out on that and maybe work out at lunchtime or at nighttime um but what if that keeps them awake if they work, I was going to say, yeah. but then you have to also be careful with that too. And maybe try to not do such energizing workouts like so close. So maybe try and time that around like five or 6 PM where you can at least still give your body, let's say five hours to wind down. And again, trying to cap your workouts at around, let's say 40, 45 minutes mm-hmm. and not doing things like 
interval training maybe at eight o'clock at night like that's going to keep someone awake so Mm -hmm. being smart about that as well maybe saving that for the weekend where it's okay like you have time in the middle of the day to go like run some stairs or hills or whatever and you know making your nighttime workouts more like strength based like a meathead kind of workout or Mm -hmm. trx workout or whatever like that I just like the thought of running stairs makes me want to die. Oh my God. So I played field hockey uh, growing up and we used to have to run bleachers all the time. And my dad's a lawyer. So I would always Mm -hmm. joke and I'd be like, listen, anybody just take one for the team. Like just fall down these bleachers. Yeah. We'll have a huge lawsuit on our hands. We'll never have to run bleachers again. Like my dad will take care of it. Just like, please someone take, take one for the team. But it just, it never happened. Oh my gosh. It was bad. But yeah, but I mean, in general, do you notice a big difference if someone works out like in the morning versus? I mean, I I don't. I yeah. think um, I, I think, think again, it's, it's whatever. It's about consistency. Yeah, so if like, you're someone who's what are you not a, do? yeah, if you're not a morning person and you're like, I'm gonna go to you know, boot camp at mm-hmm. five a.m. and you only go twice a week, like that's maybe not the best option for you. Mm-hmm. So it's about what realistically is gonna work for your lifestyle. Um, if you're someone who commutes, you know, like two hours to work and again, you have to wake up at three 30 AM to go to the gym and you're cutting back on that. Like maybe that's not great for you. So I think it's like working out with your lifestyle as well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I personally haven't seen any major difference between like, if you work out at night and if you work out in the morning, Yeah, I mean, it's like studies show that you're like slightly get like slightly more strength gains in the afternoon but it's like marginal right. it's but like that makes, nothing noticeable yeah. that and makes that, sense yeah. because obviously you've been eating food all yeah. day right but so i also kind of have this theory like where I, I mean i used to work out in the morning a lot mm-hmm. like when i used to personal train clients and stuff and so i would kind of front i would backload the night like let's say i had legs in the morning mm-hmm. or whatever so i would eat like my biggest meal at nighttime essentially mm-hmm. so i could wake up in the morning and be full of food to kind of falsely stimulate the same thing as if I was working out at the later of the day where I was eating all day and mm-hmm. had like glycogen stores. So like, I think you could, I mean, play around with your macronutrients that way to kind yeah. of do that. If you're somebody who can only work out in the morning, but make sure that you have fuel to do that. You know, yeah. I think that's important. Do you think, what do you think about eating big meals for dinner at night? I think it depends again on if you're going to eat your biggest meal at nighttime, let's say, but then you're going to eat another huge meal, like first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It, it, it kind of depends on what your digestive health mm-hmm. is. Um, I mean, again, nighttime, your digestion is slower at nighttime mm-hmm. and your body will have to kind of pick and choose saying, do I want to digest this big dinner? Um, or do I want to, you know, repair cells and neurotransmitters? Um, but I don't think you should go to bed starving either. I think that's more of a stressor. So I think it depends on what your GI issues are. Like, should you at like 9.55 p.m. eat like a huge bowl of whatever, pasta and chicken Mm -hmm. and steak, and then be like, I'm going to go to bed two minutes later? Mm -hmm. No, because we actually should like not lay down right after we eat and things like that. So I think if it's like within maybe like an hour, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But I find people do a little bit better if they at least give themselves like you know two hours before they go to bed yeah that's what people ask me that a lot and i'm like yo if that's the only time you have to eat dinner like yeah i don't want you going to bed hungry yeah I would like i think it's not. really bad for people to go to bed hungry and starving because now people they hear i can't eat for x amount of hours before i go to bed i'm like yeah well you got to pick and choose what yeah. what's going on no. you know i'd rather you not be hungry when you're going because yeah. then you're gonna get shitty sleep because you're totally. gonna wake up yeah. in the middle of the night when i used to compete like in fitness competitions i used to be starving when Mm -hmm. I went to bed and it would 
and that was one of the things I think that was the hardest part of my entire uh, prep was being hungry mm -hmm. because then I couldn't sleep. And when I don't get enough sleep, it stresses me out because yeah. I know how important sleep is, you know? So after the competitions were done, it was nice to be able to like not be hungry going to bed because that's a stress on the body. So, um, but I mean, I also do like giving, you know, your digestive tract a break. So like I like, let's say you eat dinner at seven then. If you can give yourself at least like 10 to 12 hours of mm -hmm. a fast, that is nice. So if you ate dinner at seven, you know, if you can wait until, you know, like six or 7 a.m. to eat breakfast, that would be nice. But it doesn't always happen. And that's also, I don't do that with newbie clients. Like yeah. if you're super new to it, it's more about balancing your blood sugar throughout the day. And again, trying to reverse engineer that of like, you know, why are you eating your biggest meal at nighttime? Because mm -hmm. you're not prioritizing eating or because your blood sugar has been so dysregulated all day long that you've been having cravings. So now you feel like you need to eat all the food now. Yeah. You know? So that's important too. Well, speaking of fasting, let's talk about what you think about fasting. So I think fasting has some therapeutic benefits. There's obviously a lot of research that talks about the benefits of fasting for mm -hmm. GI issues and, you know, uh, like just general, you know, like health and, and regulating insulin levels and all that kind of stuff. But I think for a lot of people, they're doing it as a disordered form of eating. Mm -hmm. um, I think some women will use it as like an excuse to be um, under eating, essentially like it's a, a glorified form of anorexia for some people because they just mm -hmm. say I'm fasting and they're just not eating anything at all. Um, if you're someone who's trying to get pregnant, it's not great. If you have thyroid issues, adrenal, not great. I also think that it's a way for men to have eating and eating disorder and yeah. to be accepted because no one thinks twice about because people bring that up about women. Yeah. But I think a lot of men are using it as an excuse because yeah. they're very obsessed with eating one meal a day. And I'm like, men are not immune to this, yeah, this issue either. Yeah. Honestly. Oh, no, I think men have just as many body oh. body image issues. Um, it's just not, like, as common or sexy yeah. to talk about, so guys don't talk but about it. But it's like it. when a man is fasting and eating one big meal a day, no one's accusing him of having an eating mm -hmm. disorder. But then the women, it is more so people are yeah. gearing that way. Yeah. But I, I agree, and I think it can cause more. Yeah damage then and also if your feeding window is whatever four hours or whatever you want mm -hmm. depending on what there's a lot of different kinds of fasting mm -hmm. you could do um but if you when you're eating you're then eating crappy food again or you're yeah. you know so it has to be done right like anything but i think giving you know like if you could do 12 hours like that's cool like i said if you eat you know at 8 p.m waiting till yeah. 8 like that's cool like um 8 to 10 kind of hours is nice but I just, I think for a lot of people, it's more damaging than um, good. I mean, some people say they feel amazing on it and mm -hmm. that's great, but maybe at different phases of your life. I know some people who have tried fasting certain times in their life and it just hasn't worked out and they've tried it later in life and it mm -hmm. worked out. But I think for a lot of females, it's just not great for the hormones always. Yeah, because a lot of females have hormonal issues. Yeah. Have you ever done like an extended fast? By choice, no. I mean, like, when I'm traveling sometimes and I run out of snacks, I'm like, well, yeah. I'll get some fasting. Yeah. And then I'm just, like, a terrible version of myself because, yeah. like, you just don't want to be around me when I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, but, no, I just – it's, like, it's not for me. Yeah. I don't love it. Yeah. I don't feel great. Like, um – Well, I – my thing with fasting is, like, all these people are trying to do it. And to me, your body's not ready to fast – like, if your body was ready to fast, it would tell you. Yeah, my, if I'm not hungry, view. I'm not going to eat. Yeah. But, I mean, if I'm hungry, I'm certainly – and I understand there's a difference between, you know, pushing your hunger limits. And, like I said, there's definitely benefits to, you know, like, being hungry. I get it. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, it's just not – a priority yeah so I don't do it myself well you're very informative I want to wrap up with okay I want you to tell me like 
something you've been researching recently that you're into, something random, something cool you found, you know, mm. any, any drop some knowledge. Oh God. What have I been researching recently? I feel what like are I you like into recently? Um, I think, well, my latest obsession is definitely, um, just, um, our perception of stress and how that actually affects the body. So even thinking about stress I always joke and I say don't stress about stress to mm-hmm. people um is which you literally just said to me at lunch <laughs> yeah I'm like don't stress about stress yeah. because there's studies that show that literally even when we think because we are actually like some of the only animals I think we are like the only animal who can make up thoughts that don't exist to stress ourselves out mm-hmm. but your body again doesn't know that difference it just says like oh my god Brianna's you know she's she's got these crazy thoughts going on right now in her head and I'm gonna make her heart race a little bit and I'm gonna shut down her digestion and I'm gonna you know down regulate the conversion of T4 to T3 and we're going to alter her pH and we're going to, you know, shift her microbiome. We're going to do all these things because we think there's some something stressful happening. And it's really just me like talking myself into some tizzy in the shower about a conversation that's never going to happen realistically yeah. in real life. We do make, a, I realized that like... <laughs> When I was in college, I realized I would do this all the time in the shower. I would make, I would imagine scenarios in my head. I don't know why. And then I would get stressed out about them. And I'm like, this never even happened. And I'm imagining that it's going to happen or it did happen. Yeah. So, I mean, there's like so much research that talks about just like stress in general and our body's stress response and how it literally changes the gut microbiome. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, they did some studies with, you know, like college students um, and like giving them certain strains of probiotics and actually how like they measured their cortisol response like the day before a test um, and then two weeks after a test. And they found that they had higher levels of serotonin like two weeks after the testing and lower levels of cortisol output like when they were getting these certain strains of probiotics as opposed to the placebo. And they even show like mice who are exposed to like two hours of social stress like they alter their lactobacilli like at to bifido ratio mm-hmm. in their gut. So it's just like really interesting, like, and taking even, they took um, the gut microbiome of an anxious person and they put some of those strains into these germ-free mice. And then the germ-free mice, once they had this anxious microbiota, started exhibiting anxious behaviors. So it's just really crazy how it can, like even the way that we think about our thoughts um, and the way we talk to ourselves, all these things like pro-inflammatory people, including ourselves, like we see this with people who are like cancer patients all the time, right? Like if they go into it with this like negative personality and, um, you know, like I'm not going to beat this and whatever, like it's that whole placebo effect, like mm-hmm. placebos work, like, you know, up to 36% of the time. Like if you go into it being like positive and, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be great and I'm going to be healthy. Like your cells respond differently because you actually produce more of these you know, anti-inflammatory cytokines as opposed to the pro-inflammatory ones. And your hormone, your hormones are more balanced and we're not always turning on inflammation and our telomeres aren't constantly shortening as well, which is like, that's a marker of our health. And we don't have all this oxidative damage going on in our cells and mm-hmm. our body can recycle antioxidants better. And our liver isn't so like backed up and overwhelmed as well because our liver also has to break down all of our stress hormones. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is really interesting because I don't think people realize how powerful our thoughts are in the healing process as well because like hypochondriacs that's like a real thing you know people who think themselves into sickness the same way people can think themselves into health and wellness but you also have to be realistic about how you're contributing to that process too like are you allowing you know crappy people to stay in your life are you saying yes to things that you don't really want to do are you investing energy and time into people and places that you don't that you know aren't serving your highest good and feeling bad about it like you know all that kind of stuff is detrimental to your health just as 
is drinking alcohol five days a week or, you know, eating foods that aren't right for mm-hmm. your biochemical individuality. And I think people overlook that a lot. And I think that that's a huge thing. And how we were talking about earlier, not addressing emotional traumas from your past. That mm-hmm. is huge. And I think more and more people are going to talk about that. I mean, they, they do a lot of research with that with women, especially who have autoimmune issues and stuff like that. There was usually some kind of like emotional trauma from their past or some relationship that kind of, you know, kicked things on into this, you know, like pro-inflammatory mode in the body. And I think, again, this is sometimes why we see more of these autoimmune issues in women than we do in men sometimes as well, just because our immune system is like literally different. So yeah. I think that that's, we're going to, I hopefully hear more and more about that over the next couple of years. Quit your shitty jobs. <laughs> There's actually the um, OSHA, you know, like who goes in and assesses safety. Yeah. They have defined um, works like work stress to be hazardous for your health. It is. So the next time That's your boss is one stressing you out. Yeah. Sometimes I feel bad about the number of people I convinced to quit their job. But then I'm like, I just elevated your life. So yeah. Much. <laughs> you spend so much time at work to hate. I mean, no job is rainbow butterflies. All yeah. There's always going to be a part of your you know, job that you're not going to love or be jazzed about, like Mm -hmm. whatever. But I mean, to be miserable from the age of 22 to however, until you retire Mm -hmm. and you go there, you spend more time at work than you do with like your, your friends and family. So to be miserable and have that be the biggest source of your stress, you know, is that's a problem, I think, you know? Yeah, definitely a big problem. So that's the key takeaway, guys. (laughs) Leave your job if it sucks. Just get a new job. Oh my God. It's not good for your health. Yes. So love it okay tell people where they can find you so i'm on instagram at brianna diorio so keep it pretty real she's an insta ho i'm I'm against the insta hoes and the i'm kidding you know try and keep it real science based um and then uh facebook is just brianna max diorio is my fan page and then my website is just brianna diorio.com so Cool. Thanks for dropping all the knowledge. Thanks for having me to drop the knowledge. (laughs) It's been fun. I know you guys loved that as much as I did. Thank you so much to Brianna for coming and sharing so much of her wisdom. I'm sure I'll have her back. You can reach her on Instagram at Brianna Diorio, on her website, briannadiorio.com. Send her some love. Tell her what you thought. And... Please leave a rating and review on iTunes if you have not already. It really, really helps me get the word out about the podcast. I want to grow the community. And make sure you're in the Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. I'd love to have you in there. That's all I have for you this week. And I cannot wait to talk to you again next time. Bye.